This is an interview with Misfire on Sunday, January 24th, 2021 by Nick Perkel. Now, starting things off, guys, please introduce yourselves and tell me about getting your very first instrument. Hey, what's up? I'm Sean. I play bass. Um, I actually started off on guitar, <laughs> but uh, found myself ended up getting the bass spot. My dad got me the, my first guitar, and uh, it was a Fender Stratocaster. It was all right, but then I discovered the Dean guitars, and that's what I've been playing since. Yeah, um, my name is Jim Nicodemus. Uh, I play drums in the band, and my first instrument was complete garbage. Uh, I love my mom and everything, but she didn't know she didn't know how to pick drums. Uh, so I had like a dinky little like jazz kit for a little while, and then I convinced my parents to buy me a giant pearl kit, which ended up being my kit for I'd say a good five years. Um, so yeah, I was really grateful for that growing up. But yeah, pearl drums was my first uh, introduction to the world of drums. This is Jr. Play guitar. Um, my first instrument was sax guitar from Walmart that uh, eventually got stolen. I think I remember that. From a family member. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was, I was about 10 years old, so I've been playing for roughly about 10 years. And after that, my dad's been pretty supportive and bought me the right instruments and equipment needed to sound badass. Did you take any schooling or private tutors to advance yourselves as musicians over the years? Uh, the only thing uh like that for me was junior high school band which was essentially just uh hand hand technique and stuff like that so as far as like the, the full drum set goes i never took any lessons i pretty much just watched like metallica videos and watched lars and um some other drummers when i was getting started wow. mike portnoy yeah those 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 dvds and stuff were were my training uh, growing up for the most part, yeah, like I said, I didn't really take any schooling. And same thing for same thing for guitar. I pretty much just watched. I pretty much just watched Jr. and I watched uh, Conrad from from Diamond play. Just watched how they played and just tried to tried to get my wrist down. And after a little while, you know, I was able to get that going too. Luckily, so yeah. Hey, Sean here. So uh, I took one guitar lesson uh, through the church that I was going to at the time. So, was a kid. so my mom made me go to church, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was like this, uh, old hippie dude, uh, with just an acoustic guitar. So walk in there and I'm like, what's up with this? I wanted to rock. You know, I was like super into Jewish priest and, uh, black Sabbath and stuff like that. So I wanted to learn how to play those riffs and the dude's trying to teach me like some lame chords. So I was like, can't do this. So yeah, I did one lesson and I was like, this is lame. <laughs> so I just started, you know, jamming on my own since then. Did you take any schooling or private? Oh yeah. I took lessons for about like a year and a half, learned how to read music and stuff. My dad said they're not gonna get a guitar unless you learn how to play guitar. So I was pretty much just like I wasn't forced into it, but I thought I always thought guitar was cool. And I was taught by a jazz player pretty much and the same same teacher that Conrad Don Clayton had. And um after that I just like bought a bunch of Metallica books and me and Jen pretty much taught ourselves after that. And the rest is history. So. 
Can you tell me uh, what you've guys been up to musically since fall 2013? I remember uh, getting an interview with uh, Diamond Plate published in the fall 2013. So just kind of want to just fill in the blanks right now. Yeah, um, there's not a whole lot of info uh, regarding the Diamond Plate split. Um, that actually didn't happen until 2015. So from 2013 to 2015, uh, Diamond Plate wrote, we wrote another record uh, that just never ended up getting released uh, for various reasons. Um, you know, like it, it just didn't work out. So I took a break uh, from writing music after that for a couple of years, got a normal job uh, as a bar back, eventually a bartender. And then I got a call from my former manager uh, who was opening up a venue uh, that wasn't too far from me. And he had asked me if I would be production manager for that venue. So after not being around music for like two years uh, and then being at live shows every single day of my life, like it, it kind of inspired me to get back into it. Uh, and and through that, I think a year into that, I think it was 2018, like December 2018, uh, we actually formed this band and I've been involved in this exclusively since. Do any of your other bandmates want to say something? Oh, hey, what's up? So, uh, yeah, I've been uh, doing a lot of uh, shows with, like, the, well, of course, before Corona, was doing a lot of shows with uh, a lot of cover bands here in Chicago. I'm um, in a Scorpions cover band, and they got some other projects going, but uh, basically been doing that since I was 19. It's Because of that, I think it's, it led to like the kind of music I've, you know, I'm making now and just made me a better player and stuff being around a bunch of like seasoned veterans. But, uh, yeah, we've only been doing our thing for like two years and taking out the tunes, having a good time. Um, before this, after like splitting up with Diamond Play and all that stuff, uh, eventually formed my own band called Atomize and like pretty much atomized itself. Just like couldn't find a bass player to stick around. Yeah, you're, you're going back to like 2010. Yeah. Uh, well, that's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the past 10 years have been like, yeah, with this collar band called Super Fire and been really helping me with like singing. I've been doing backups and stuff, do covers of like, uh, like Party Rock and like 97.9 stuff that they would play in a loop. And then I've been in this Pantera band, uh, Sam Blaster Skin, for pretty much 10 years. and and like I love playing you know, dime bag stuff. Yeah, it definitely helps. That's what gets your chops up. Yeah, like, like definitely, definitely bring up brings up the callus in your fingers. And then there's Jim. Like I knew if he was starting a band, I'm like I'm pretty sure I'm gonna end up being in this band. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's like, you want to try out? I'm like, all right, well I got to get my life together, but uh, yeah, I'm down and. Here we are. Yeah. They've been doing a great job. <laughs> now, Jim, how did the lineup for Misfire come together? And you are you planning on keeping the band a three-piece? Three-piece thing seems to work for me. Every time I try to get more than three people involved in a project, it goes to shit. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it just one of those things. Working with two other guys uh, is kind of my limit, I think. Uh, it works out. I'm uh, not saying, you know that things weren't great before because uh, the, the way that this band actually started was there was a local band um, called End of Anarchy or End of Sanity. I didn't, I don't remember which one they went with, but 
Long story short, um, I was supposed to be producer on their on their project, uh, and down down the course of a couple of weeks or whatever after we started, the band ended up splitting up, and uh, that kind of left the main songwriter uh, alone. So we got together one night and uh, and talked about some stuff, and he offered me the opportunity to write songs with him and be in a band with him. He brought that up and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go, let's give it a shot. Cause like I said before, it hasn't been, it's been a while since, since I've like written anything and all that. So I was pretty, pretty down for that. Uh, so obviously with just two guys involved, we needed to start looking for, you know, another guitar player. Cause originally we wanted to have it as a four piece. Uh, so we auditioned Sean for guitar and he got the gig, but we didn't have a bass player. So he ended up playing bass. Uh, we recorded an EP like that, and then not, I think it was like two months or a month after we recorded that first EP, uh, I gave JR a call, um, and he auditioned, and instantly, I mean, of course, we, me and him have been playing together since we were kids, so uh, that that was a no-brainer. And after that, uh, we, did, we did a series of shows. We were writing some new stuff, and for whatever reason, I'm, not, I'm still not sure exactly, um, what the reason was, but Tommy decided to quit. He was our original guitar player, and um, he just he decided to quit due to whatever. I, I think he was just you know having some issues uh, personally, which is which is totally cool. I get that. That's the reason uh, I actually quit Diamond Plate because I was going through stuff. So I totally understood that. And since then, uh, we just remained this three piece, and and Jay took doing well. Actually, both of the guys sing quite a bit of quite a bit of stuff uh, individually, but for the most part, I think we can all agree that Jay's the, the main singer in the band, and I think he's been doing a great job. Uh, great job with that. Um, and yeah, uh, since then, we've written like literally, you know, two albums worth of material. To answer your question, we are staying a three-piece. Hell yeah, dude. And, and I just want to add real quick, uh, you know, I didn't get demoted to the bass or anything. I, I, love, I love bass. Bass is the shit. And uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the bass now. Yeah, he's I got, still like guitar too, but you know, bass is where it's at. Yeah, bass is one of those things that uh, it's it's like a mix between the drums and the guitar. So like, I should I should be good at it, but I'm not <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, uh, this guy kills it. Definitely puts the balls in the band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, tell me how you recorded your debut, like the studio, engineer, etc. Yeah, so uh, we actually uh, basically set up my house to be like a recording studio because I got my own place here. And uh, yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> you should see it now. We got to set it up to start uh, recording our next our next batch of tunes. But uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We wanted to keep everything in, in-house and shit and keep it to ourselves. And I'm using uh, Cubase, and we just ran through that persona's board uh, i was engineering everything and basically uh saying hey man you know you, you can do that better or that was killer or whatever basically the my favorite mic out of the whole thing was the uh 57 sure 57 can't go wrong no it's the best one i mean we use that for fuck everything oh shit i don't know if i can sweat it but anyways we use that for everything <laughs> and uh yeah one, one of the really cool things uh that was was fun and also challenging was uh figuring out how to do this all, you know, ourselves. And I was very lucky and I am lucky to be in a band with uh, some killer players where I know, you know, we could get a a good performance. So it was just a matter of capturing, you know, the lightning in the bottle and, 
Yeah, the 57 was used for everything. Bass, guitars, drums. Yeah, this guy put in a lot of work. Like he built like panels and stuff for for the tracking room. He turned the spare bedroom into a tracking room. Like we literally like this is Misfire like headquarters. You know, like <laughs> we have we have my drums uh, set up so that way if we get an idea or something we can just turn you know the mics on and capture like new music. It's pretty sweet. Like it's a pretty cool setup. And and as far as the mixing goes, we went with. Uh, an old friend of mine uh, from high school, I've actually known him for quite a while, and he started a uh, a business um, that is, the model's pretty sweet, actually. It's kind of a one-stop shop. So, you, I mean, he, he does mixing, he does recording, he does, um, I'm not trying to sound like a commercial, but he does it all. Like, he does video, and he's really great with it. Um, so, we're, we, you know, got lucky enough, um, he had some free time, and he decided, you know, like, hey, yeah, I'll mix it for you. And I personally think the combination... Um, is invaluable like it, i think it sounds great like we got all the time in the world right now with, with covid going on and we can record anytime here and then just send it off and we're you know it's like it's a really inspiring situation it's a nice setup that we got thinking about how you recorded the generation y and pulse albums for diamond plate did you take any knowledge from them into the recording for sympathy for the ignorant uh absolutely all of it um to, like what to do and a lot of what not to do for sure. The only one thing that I think that we could have changed with this is like this whole thing we didn't use a click track for. Uh, the first the first Diamond Plate record I think sounded to me a little too robotic because we did use a click. Um, and then the second record sounded a little too loosey goosey. Like the goal now for me uh, is to figure out the balance between where we need to use a click track. It sounds funny, but. Like, like some songs don't need a click track and they feel better without a click track, but some songs, I think, uh, the more, you know, driving stuff, like if, if, the, if the tempo starts to go down a little bit, like it really affects how, like, the flow of the song is, feels to you. Even if you don't notice it, like, if, and you only notice it, like, subconsciously, you're still going to, like, have a negative effect when you listen to the song. So there's, like, intricate details, like, stuff that you don't really think about. Like, there's so much of that that I learned um, from working with Neil Kernan. He was an amazing producer, and just just working with those guys at that time was just really an, uh, an amazing uh, experience. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing that changed for me overall uh, with both of those records was just focusing on the songwriting and, like, uh, how the songs move, thinking of the riffs as, like, a, like their own individual songs and building a playlist you know, AKA like arrangement stuff. Like that stuff's what really gets me going uh, to write songs. I'm like, Oh yeah, well what if we try this arrangement or what if we try that arrangement? Cause there was a ton of that, uh, doing, doing those two records. Like the, the songs changed quite a bit, um, from the original demos, like quite a bit. So, so yeah, just, just the songwriting process in general, like that I learned doing those records really carries over into what I'm doing now. For the Misfire album, were there any songs that you uh, chose to uh, not use the click for? All of them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, every <laughs> every single one. Actually, actually, so all those <laughs> were actually the first take of the drums that I did for each song. Yeah, first try. Yeah, first try, I was done. I, I think we did like a test day. We spent like a couple hours getting like getting sounds, but really, we, I mean, it, the, the drums sounded great, like pretty much off the, out of the gate. So the first took the longest, but it was really like yeah, we did like over forty tracks of rhythm guitars. Yeah, we only ended up using a couple. And we only used one boy. It took like literally it took like a week. 
And we had, you know, I, I had my good days and I had some had bad days. Anybody else? The thing, the thing about not using a click, like it's fine for me because I'm the one going first, and we're all like, "Oh yeah, it's cool, it's cool, it sounds great, everything's great." But then when you get into like, you know, tracking four guitars and, and bass yeah. and vocals and all that stuff, like it's really hard to get those guitars like the same. And that's why, like, that process, like, that's why it's so hard to, like, choose between which way we're going to go. Because on the other hand, we go even more in-depth, and we still have to do all that extra guitar work. It's a little bit easier because it's all, like, in time to click, but the drums take longer because you have to make sure you're on time with all that stuff, too. And, and, make, and then also you lose a little bit of the character, I think. You know, so that's why it's just, I think next time um, we record, like, an official release anyway, uh, Finding that balance is going to be something that probably will take a little bit of time, but but it's going to be for the better, I think. Uh, not saying that not any of these songs uh, on this current uh, album are lacking because of the lack of click track, but I, I think there's a lot of energy in this, and that's why I wanted to do it this way for this record. Is just I wanted it to sound like a band. I didn't want yeah, it. To, I, didn't, sure. I didn't want it to sound like um, overproduced, even though it sounds and the mix is great. I, I didn't want it to sound. Um, just robotic. yeah, robotic. I didn't want it, any quantizing or any any fixing this and fixing that. Just wanted it to be like what you're gonna see when you come see us. And that's and that's how we uh, that's how we tracked it too with the with the you know the thought process of you know just having a killer performance and and getting it you know raw right there live without relying on. A bunch of computer stuff because that ain't real. Yeah, because when we when we did record drum tracks too, we were all playing together. We were in different rooms, but we were all playing together. So the scratch scratch bass um, were also recorded live with me, which was nice. That and that's that's that definitely helped us judge what you know where the tempos were and and kind of how it sounded. But like I said, we didn't really take too much time with that because it was just one take for every track and it was done. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have like, a, a video coming out for the, like, the making of this album. So there's not much drum stuff, but it's so fast. Uh, but definitely a lot of guitars. It's funny, by the, time, by the time we had the camera set up, he was done. So we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, next, 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 next time. Can you tell me how the title track for... Uh... Sympathy for the Ignorant has evolved over time. Look at this past year. <laughs> so with that one, uh, that's actually one of the only ones that hasn't really changed. I mean, it's, I mean, since we wrote it, it was pretty much, uh, it was pretty much pretty solid. And that's that just comes from, like I said um, previously, like with with the knowledge that I gained from my experience uh, being a diamond play, Just like I, when when we construct songs and. Um, Typically, I, I come up with the arrangement ideas most of the time. I know where where kind of not to put things and where to trim things out, um, and just you know a good get a good flow for it. And that was one of the ones that just came together, and and stuck. I mean, the only the only obvious one is Tommy used to sing, and obviously Tommy's not in the band anymore, and Jr. singing, and I think it sounds fantastic the way it sounds now. So the only change really was yeah, this the different vocal. Now, for each of you, what was your favorite song to record and why? Uh, Jim, go first. Oh, uh, let's see. I'd say, uh, I'd say all of them, just because like I, I literally, I literally tracked it in like the day, like so. There wasn't really any like uh, separation, like emotionally. <laughs> uh, but I love how Fracture turned out, um, and that was the last one 
that uh, we came up with the lyrics for. Uh, we actually recorded the song before we even had any idea where the lyrics were going to go. Yeah. So that was kind of like, I, I wrote that song twice, actually, the, the lyric for it, because the first one was just complete garbage because I was having a hard time, like, oh, well, the, the word's got to go here and the word's got to go here. Uh, but the second round turned out pretty cool, and I'm really happy with how that one turned out. That's probably my favorite. Hey, what do you think, Sean? What up, y'all? Uh, <laughs> my favorite one to play was No Offense, because it's got that cool bass thingy in there. So, of course, I'm partial to my bass. Tracking it was it was mostly fun. <laughs> there were some times where I was like, yeah, I can't hear nothing now. My ears were just ringing out. But, yeah, my most fun to play is No Offense, but... I mean, all, all the tunes are, are my favorite. I love them all. For, for Jay and me, uh, my favorite song probably on the whole EP or my YouTube album <laughs> is uh, probably He Said, She Said to play. I love, I love, that's a jam. Like, it's just, it's got like that, uh, like straight to the like fucking core, like metal, like, like metallica kind of, but like just like, like, it's got like this. New like fucking style pushed onto it like I don't know like 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 like, like just that like <laughs> sorry about it. I I, just, I don't know it's just it's kind of like like singing it and playing it I love how the vocals and the guitar is like just structure. structure and everything like and all our songs all what about your solo like lyrically like everything's real life shit but my solos um yeah oh my God. they were like, cool they were crazy cool. solos uh. I'd say the hardest one to record was probably the He Said, She Said, just because of the sweet picking. What was the most fun? The most fun solo that I did was probably LIS. Oh, yeah, this is a straight shredder. Just fantastic, holy. Yeah. That's the main thing. And then, like, uh, lyrically, my favorite song lyrically is probably War of Mine. It's, just, it's the, pretty much the first song I wrote. Lyrically, as like uh, as like as, as I started, as I became a singer, and like coming back to the where I said like I knew I was gonna be in this band, and then I was like, I think I'm gonna be the singer. And like for a second, I thought the band was gonna fall apart, but I'm glad it didn't because it's like really like my my only release. Yeah, we weren't sure what was gonna happen uh, for a second there, but with COVID and everything, and 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 Tommy leaving and stuff, but we uh. I'm digging. I'm digging where we're at right now. Oh yeah, me too. What kinds of things have you guys done to get fans out to the concerts despite dealing with COVID? Well, we really haven't been playing concerts. We did one uh, socially distanced, you know, uh, thing, and it was really hard to get people out because it's, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, we also tried doing some live streaming stuff, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And that's probably something we're going to continue to do. But yeah, COVID's like it's it's crazy. It's really it's really sad. Uh, it's taken a massive toll on our industry, man. There's venues closing every day. You know, I don't know what's gonna happen with our local venues here. It's it's it's, it's bad, you know. And uh, I personally work as a lighting designer and a lighting operator uh, for for bands and um, for venues. And yeah, like I've only had like a handful of gigs this entire year, so it's yeah, it's just a horrible thing. And We've tried to figure out how to get people involved in the band, and but you know it's like it's, it's just so weird because concerts is like what we've always known as the way to get in front of an audience. So, 
so now what, you know, like it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult path, uh, to find, you know, we're gonna, we're all gonna find it, but, um, it's not very clear as to where that path is currently, but, you know, getting, getting involved in social media, getting involved, uh, with, and you're going to see a lot more of that from us. We, we're going to we're going to be doing a video soon. We're going to be uh, being a little more active online and stuff with this, with this next release. But yeah, like as far as like actually playing shows, uh, I wish. Yeah, we ha- we have we have one coming up, but again, it's like you know minimum amount of people and and uh, restrictions. So it's not really like uh, it's not really like playing a show. You know, it's it's like a it's like a show, but 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 yeah yeah. COVID definitely like. Change the music industry. Yeah, it's it's really bad right now. But yeah, we we you know we're trying. I, I like I like the things that other people are doing with the, with the Twitch and these podcasts, and it's it's pretty cool to see a lot of people uh, jumping on that these these different platforms because there's a sense of like yeah we're all in this together, uh, and that's really cool. For each of you guys, what are your three most cherished albums in your music collection? My three all-time favorite albums uh, is extremely difficult, but for the sake of not talking forever, uh, <laughs> I'd say Master of Puppets is uh, number one, um, just because if I didn't hear some of the stuff on that album, I probably wouldn't. Well, no, not probably. I wouldn't be the same musician or person, for that matter. Uh, number two would probably be, probably be um, Blackwater Park uh, by Opeth. Because uh, that album really helped me get into the progressive side of metal um, and kind of thinking outside the box with some of those super long tunes. You know, also I, when I got into them, I was also heavily into Dream Theater. So, but I'd, I'd say Blackwater Park is like, yeah, up there for sure. Probably number two. Um, and then number three would probably be With Teeth by Nine Inch Nails. Just because, I mean, if you're ever feeling uninspired, just like put on one of those songs and dissect the arrangement, and uh, yeah, you'll be you'll be inspired pretty quick because it, it opens you up creatively, for sure. What about you, Sean? All right, <laughs> all right. So for me, uh, first off, that's a tough question, man. <laughs> I mean, because it definitely definitely has changed throughout the years, but I was introduced to like rock and metal and stuff uh, by my dad, and he was uh, a big Kiss fan. But I wouldn't say Kiss is, like, among my most cherished albums. So I would have to say Scorpions Worldwide Live because the Scorpions are badass. Hell yeah. I got it on vinyl, dude. Uh, Anyways, so Scorps, for sure, I guess my number two would uh, be Iced Earth, The Glorious Burden because uh, when I would have a show, you know, again, pre-Rona, like on my way to the gig when I'd be driving, I would put that, uh, I'd put the song Declaration Day on before the show and get all fired up and ready to shred and rock. <laughs> but yeah, so Scorps, Ice Earth, and then uh, I wrote down Megadeth, Rust in Peace, Polaris. Like uh, Megadeth, Rust in Peace, and my favorite track would be Polaris, but... I mean, earlier today, I've been listening to this Queen Greatest Hits vinyl, and damn, is it sounded really awesome. See, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, it, the most cherished albums changes, but as of right now, those are my top three. <laughs> All right, so for me, uh, my most cherished album has to be, like, Ride the Lightning Metallica, just because, like, 
No, pump it, man. No, I don't write it. I swear, by the way, like that's when they that's when they found out like who they were and what they they just sounded they got their sound. But uh, yeah, I remember one day my dad was like just like vacuuming the rug and I was just being a lazy ass playing on the bed and then he's like playing Rise of Lighting. I never listened to the whole album all the way through and that just changed my life. And like Jim gave me the album, he gave me like a bunch of CDs. And like he's like, just listen to this thing. You'll get into that. I used to, I started out listening to Jimmy Hendrix and stuff like that. So I didn't didn't even get it intentionally until like actually listened to it. And every you know, every song was a hit. It's catchy. And I was just like, boom, this is like this is what I want to be. And then this is what I want to look like and do and change my life. And then so second album, this like this is a hard question. Like second album, like I'd probably be like a Pantera album. Like either reinventing, either reinventing the steel or for beyond driven, or even like cowboys. Like I can't even describe. It's hard to choose a favorite Pantera album. So we'll just say Pantera, and then uh, <laughs> Meg, my third favorite band. I'm just gonna go from band to al- album. So Megadeth, and I would say. Cells because like when I bought that CD, me me and Jim were just like we didn't even know who Megadeth was back in eighth grade, and I bought the CD. We were such heavy heavy yeah. Metallica fans yeah. that we like didn't listen to any other bands, yeah. and we thought everything else sucked. Right. So uh, when he got <laughs> when he got the Megadeth CD, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember yeah, it was like a clear division of yeah. <laughs> number one if you even tolerated Megadeth. Everyone was like, no Metallica, Metallica. And I was like, one of the two is like, well, I like both. And they'd be like, nah, man. One or the other. And I would be like, no, dude, they're both, they're both damn. They're, they're different. They're like, you're yeah. traitor. Like, yeah. like, back in it. Yeah, back in it. Children of Bodom now. Dude, all right. Children of Bodom. Really badass. R.I.P. Hey, Bree. I like it. Well, yeah, that was, those guys changed, like, yeah. That was, yeah. after I got over him not liking, or, not, after I got over him uh, digging Megadeth, that kind of... How did you borrow it? Yeah, yeah, I dug it. So then, I, you know, we worked our way into, into Slayer and Anthrax and what was going on. Uh, yeah, that was, like, what, in eighth grade. So, like, what was going on then? That was, like, yeah, Children of Bodom and Opeth and Arch Enemy and all those bands. And Arch Enemy, yeah. for sure. Arch Enemy is yeah. a sick band. It was uh, Anthem's Rebellion. Yeah, a lot of good albums. Favorite urban legend or ghost story from Chicago? The only the only one that I recall actually hearing about, um, not experiencing anything with, but hearing about, was uh, Bachelor's Grove, um, and that was somewhere that I actually found out was you know quote unquote haunted after uh, biking through. Uh, close by to it, like, you know, it wasn't actually in the cemetery, but I was on a trail close to that uh, bike riding, and I went, uh, I heard about it, and I was like, oh, shit, like, I bike ride over there all the time. I guess there's been sightings of, like, like, when you're driving, like, there's, you're supposed to, like, at a certain time of night or whatever, like, you see, like, a fake car, uh, not a fake car, but, like, a ghost car coming at you, and I guess it's caused, like, accidents. There's been a bunch of rumors, like, I don't know, uh, it's it's pretty spooky stuff, I suppose, but this isn't really something that I I follow, like the ghost the ghost story stuff. Uh, but that's that's the one that I I remember hearing about too. There's I guess there's like a lady too. There's like a lady and a kid or something like that. I don't know. 
Uh, you're not going to catch me around any of those spaces. Yeah, I'm not going to the cemetery time soon. Yeah, I actually went went there one time. This was a few years ago. and uh, But we went during the day. I went with my brother and a couple friends. And, yeah, we went during the day, and I, I heard stories like, oh, you know, you could, there's like a ghost house or, you know. We didn't see anything, but it, it did feel like, I don't know, a little weird there, I guess. But, I don't know, we went during the day instead of like... <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 but I, I haven't seen a ghost as of yet. Like, uh, I always, I always go on YouTube. I look up all the spooky videos and all that stuff. I, I spook myself out and uh, you know, hide under the covers, like especially if I'm home alone. But uh, like they got this uh, 79th in between like Harlem and I think LaGrange or whatever. There's like Resurrection Mary. And like sometimes I guess you can see her walking down the street and like she'll like try it. Like she's got like a wedding dress on and it's like a chick that's like in distress. So he said pick her up and then like I heard that you know, like she'll be in her back seat and then she'll just disappear or something. Like that would like crazy. Yeah, like I, I'd be like. I'd be like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, like, that's what's going on in Illinois. Really. <laughs> <laughs> nice shit. I'd be like, damn. <laughs> damn, that bitch fucking just ghosted me. Would you like to go back to any questions? I, I'm pretty happy with how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we didn't sound dumb, so we're cool, probably. <laughs> Final words. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly when the when the album's gonna drop. Uh, there's some things going on behind the scenes as far as like distributing and uh, just you know in general. Uh, but sometime this year, we're gonna be putting out our first full length record, and uh, I'm really happy with that. And I think I think I speak for everyone on that. Yeah, hell yeah. This, so this album's killer. It's gonna, yeah. Yeah. So. Treat. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully we'll get back to playing shows. You know, when when uh, when things get under control. You know, um, and if not, you can find us on Facebook and and uh, Spotify and Instagram and all that stuff at Misfire Official. And like I said, just keep your eye out because we're gonna be putting out a lot of content. Yeah, we got soon. We got a lot of cool stuff in the works for you guys. All the time like music. Thank you. This has been an interview with Misfire on Sunday, January 24th, 2021 by Nick Frickell.